human trafficking. I'm joined this morning by a couple of folks from the Salvation Army, Lieutenant Denise Salmon, and also Crystal Ambrositis, who is the anti-human trafficking coordinator with the Salvation Army. Ladies, good morning. Thanks for coming in today. Denise, let me start with you. Human trafficking, what is it and how serious is it? Well, thank you for inviting us this morning. First of all, Wayne, it's good to be here. We were here three years ago, my husband and I, when we first got here to Willimantic. So um, it's it's good to be back. Uh, so human trafficking. So the Salvation Army has identified that it is an issue in our area. Um, and and I think Crystal can talk more about exactly what human trafficking is. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it is happening, um, but it is a real thing. A lot of people think it's an overseas issues, um, but it's things that are happening in our own backyard. And I think Crystal can elaborate more on exactly what it means, because still I'm learning myself about what human trafficking is and what that looks like and what, what are the things that we should be looking out for. But the um, Salvation Army is very active in trying to combat human trafficking. So, Crystal, take that and run with it. Exactly what is it? Sure. Uh, so when we think about human trafficking, we typically break it up into two different forms, sex trafficking or labor trafficking. Uh, both of those, you have an element of force, fraud, or coercion, meaning that someone was forced into either commercial sex acts or forced labor. Um, and that can be escort services, um, pornography, street-level prostitution. Um, and then we see labor trafficking in our nail salons, massage parlors, construction industries, restaurants, all over Connecticut. And I think that the casual person on the street might say, how does it continue? Why can't the person just walk away from it? And apparently they can't. They cannot. Uh, so there's a lot of psychological manipulation that takes place. Uh, we see what we call trauma bonding with victims and their traffickers. So maybe this is a parental figure, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, uh, someone that's giving them the love and affection that they think they deserve, and so they're bonded to that person. That's their caretaker, and they do not want to report it. They do not want them to get in trouble. What's the demographic breakdown of the most common people that get human trafficked? Is it young people? Uh, actually, trafficking does not discriminate, so it affects everyone. Um, I can tell you in Connecticut that the age of our minors that are trafficked is between 15 and 16 years old. So in your role with the Salvation Army, how do you go about trying to combat human trafficking? We um, offer comprehensive case management for survivors in both Greater Hartford and here in um, Willimantic, serving Wyndham County. We work with survivors at least a year, typically more, um, and we work with them on stabilizing their housing and their income, getting them connected to trauma-based mental health services, and then helping them reintegrate back into the community. How do you find people first get involved in human trafficking as a victim or maybe as one who uses the, the person as a human trafficker? We um, have come across a lot of victims that are what we call groomed or grooming um, is what's done to them. So pimps and traffickers find them on social media. Uh, they hang out at the malls. We've heard recruiting going on at group homes, at bus stops. Um, they pinpoint a vulnerable person. Um, they tell them that they're beautiful, they ask them if they want to be a model, um, or if they're looking for work. That's another way that people get involved in this. And so they take time to get to know this person. They take them out to eat, they get their nails done, their hair done, and they really build that trusting relationship. Um, and so at a certain point, then that 
pimp or that trafficker says, now I need you to do something for me. Um, I need you to have sex with a couple people so that we can get money to continue living the way that we're living. Um, and so that's how that trafficking starts to take place. For the younger generation who gets involved in this, what would be the message you'd have for their parents as far as identifying to them? I mean, it, it seems like good parenting in general, you're talking about not making friends with strangers, but sometimes if the parent's not around, that's hard to enforce. Absolutely, and I think social media has a huge role in this, right? Um, there's so many apps and websites that young people are using that they may not know who's on the other end of that app. Uh, so there's apps now that are disguised as calculators. So if you look at someone's phone and they have more than one calculator on your phone, uh, that's a good indicator that perhaps behind that calculator there may be explicit photos or text messages of potentially a pimp or a trafficker that someone's talking to. What is the Salvation Army's anti-human trafficking Bloom initiative doing about it in this part of the state and in Hartford? So Bloom here in Willimantic is brand new. We were here in July um, and we really got started in October of 2019, I would say. Um, and we do, again, the comprehensive case management. So we work with survivors at least a year. Typically, they spend about a year and a half to two years with us. Uh, we work with survivors who are ages 16 and up. They can be male or female um, and they can be survivors of sex trafficking, labor trafficking, or both. How do people get involved in that? In other words, how, how do they get involved in these services? Are they walk in or are they referred? All of the ways. Uh, so we've had people who self-refer. Uh, maybe they say, this has happened to me, and they come into the Salvation Army. Uh, we also get a lot of referrals from law enforcement, federal and local, um, as well as DCF. Can you give some numbers on how many people in our state, if not nationally, are involved in human trafficking? Sure, so I can tell you that in the state of Connecticut for um, young people under the age of 18 that were trafficked in 2018, that number is 210, uh, meaning that those children were either high risk or confirmed to be victims of trafficking. Um, and globally, there's around 40 million people that are trafficked every year. And you touched on the impact of social media. Would it be safe to assume that because of social media, those numbers are going up and not going down? Absolutely. Um, and we even have websites like Backpage.com, which no longer exists, um, Craigslist, where oftentimes people are being bought and sold for sex as well. So when it comes to the younger generation, are they essentially, did they become runaways? where they leave the house and get involved in these people that are involved in this illegal activity? Not all of them. So I can tell you of those 210 children that DCF identified, about 63% of them were living at home during their exploitation. That does not mean that their parents or caregivers were exploiting them. It just means that perhaps no one knew what red flags to look for. And let me go to the other end of the age spectrum, because you identified the fact that it's not all a younger generation. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, give me an example of an older person, male or female, who gets involved in this voluntarily or involuntarily? Sure, so um, a lot of the older women, I would say in their 30s and 40s that we work with, um, particularly in Hartford, they may have started at a young age. So they were trafficked um, and they had no way out of it. And that kind of becomes the lifestyle that they live to support their needs. Um, we call it survival sex. So they have no way to access food, clothing, shelter. And so they're selling themselves on the street um, we also encounter a lot of people who are homeless and or have addiction issues. And so all of those kind of go hand in hand with trafficking. As we're discussing this morning, the Salvation Army taking a big role in combating human trafficking. How aggressive is or are the police in this 
activity? Uh, the police are doing a, a great job. Um, not all police departments have been trained on trafficking yet, but that is coming. Um, and so we're seeing increases as awareness goes up, more arrests are being made, and even the general public is really great about identifying and referring um, survivors to programs as well. All right, so give me some examples of what the average person on the street should be looking for and then if they do see something suspicious, then what do they do? Sure. Uh, so if you're thinking about um, labor trafficking, a nail salon, for example, pay attention to the way the money moves when you go into those places. If someone does your nails and you give them a tip, where is that money going? Um, are they keeping it for themselves? Are they giving it to maybe the guy that's working at the front of the salon? Um, in restaurants, in massage parlors, are there rooms, kind of secretive back rooms where maybe there's mattresses back there? That's going to be a good indicator that people are living back there. Um, in terms of young people, we see if they have hotel room keys on them, um, if they have multiple cell phones, oftentimes they'll have a phone that they use to talk to their parents, and then their pimp will give them a phone as well. Um, if anyone ever sees something that they think might be a red flag, for a young person, they can always call the DCF care line. Um, you can call local law enforcement, or you can call the National Human Trafficking Hotline as well. And that is 1-888-373-7825. And I just want to clarify one thing. When you talk about, for example, a nail salon, the nail salons aren't doing this to be complicit in this. Do they know what's going on and just look the other way? Or is this going on with their knowledge? I cannot say that for sure. I would say that it's probably a mix of both. Um, some owners of nail salons may be profiting off of the forced labor that goes on, um, and some people may not know that it's going on. And then what's the effect of the casinos? Is that where some of this goes on? Sure. Uh, so I have heard reports of um, sex trafficking taking place in our casinos in Connecticut. So pimps will drop off their victims on the casino floor and the girls will kind of walk around the floor. <clears throat> Excuse me. And buyers will know what they're looking for. So they'll see a girl in a red dress. Um, they know the number to say, I want to have her sent up to my room. The girl will be sent up to the person's room um, and the sex act will take place there. Crystal, how did you get involved in this in the first place? I have been in this field for almost 10 years now. Um, I actually started as an intern right out of college. I wasn't ready for grad school yet. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I started an internship uh, with an immigrant refugee agency that had an anti-human trafficking program. So my first kind of introduction into this world was working directly with survivors. Uh, primarily, I worked with foreign-born survivors of labor trafficking, uh, but I worked with all populations. And so after four years there of doing an internship, becoming a case manager, I said, I have a, an okay understanding of what goes on in Connecticut in terms of survivors and victims. How do I now take it to the next level to design programs that are going to help them? And so here I am at the Salvation Army now, and I'm going on five years here. Salvation Army does so many great things for local communities. And I wonder, is there a story behind how the Salvation Army first got involved in fighting human trafficking? Um, well, it goes all the way back to the founder, William Booth. Um, and his passion to fight injustices in England, in London. Um, and I know, I don't know the whole history, but I know that they worked very hard on raising the age of consent back in London uh, in the 1800s. Um, but I know that they had a passion for fighting injustices, and human trafficking had a lot to do with it. Crystal, is can you give a couple, not just one, but a couple of examples of a story of a person, whether it's young person, middle-aged, older person, who got involved in human trafficking, how they got involved, what they did, 
how they got out of it and what they're doing now. Sure. So we worked with um, a young woman. She was in her 20s, um, U.S. citizen. She was talking to a gentleman, if you want to call him that, online on social media. Uh, They talked for about a year. It became a relationship, virtually, of course. Um, They trusted one another. He was in another country. Um, A year goes by. She decides, I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to go meet him for the first time um, because we're in a relationship. She goes to this other country. um, She meets with him. He's great. He gets her at the airport. He goes out to dinner with her. Um, He really starts that grooming process. And so later that night, he takes her to a party. Um, She's drugged at this party. She is sexually assaulted by multiple people at this party. And she says, I'm in a foreign country. I have to get out of this situation before it turns worse. Um, Luckily, she used the same app that she was talking to this man on to contact her friends. Um, She was sending out messages on this app to say, I need help. Um, Someone help me. Her friends were able to contact law enforcement here in the United States, who then worked with Homeland Security um, to get to her. Um, They removed her from the situation. They brought her back home. And she is now going through the legal process with this guy who was charged with trafficking her. Uh, She's been in our program for almost two years. It will be this year. Uh, She has a lot of tough days with the trauma that she's gone through. However, she is on the up and up. She recently enrolled in college for the first time. Um, This month, actually, she started her first semester, and she's going for criminal justice to be a victim's advocate. And what do they do to the guy? Can they extradite him and bring him back here and hang him out to dry? They cannot. Um, So because it happened... In the other country, um, she has to go to that other country to testify and do all of that. So we provide the support. We can't go with her, um, but we are always available by phone. Um, We have an on-call line that survivors can reach out to us 24-7. We have staff that are available. And so we provide as much support as we can for her. So she's got to go back there. Yes. I mean, to me, that sounds like she's be put at risk again. Absolutely. And it's incredibly re-traumatizing to have to relive that. Just getting on a plane um, is already traumatizing for her. How about young people i mean she's in her 20s mm-hmm. but how about are you talking about kids under 10 years old who get involved in human trafficking we have not experienced that but i have heard it's happening and i have heard in connecticut the youngest victim ever um, reported was two years old so send a message out here to again listeners about what they can do to combat this both so that people they know don't get involved in it and also getting human traffickers off the streets. The baseline of all of this is if you see something, please say something. So we've talked a bit about red flags, um, paying attention to money, paying attention to apps on social media, on people's phones, um, looking at hotel keys and things that people have with them. Are they accompanied by someone who's speaking for them? Um, Always say something. Even if you're unsure you may be saving someone's life so please contact law enforcement contact the national human trafficking hotline and crystal a lot of what we talked about this morning sort of has morphed into the the sex trafficking thing but i'd like to hear a little bit more about the labor trafficking thing i mean if they're if they're getting somebody and making them work at a place it it sounds to me like slavery why why can't they walk away or do do the people not want to walk away or they're not able to So you hit it right on the head when you said slavery. Human trafficking is absolutely modern-day slavery. And even in labor trafficking, not only the psychological manipulation that takes place, but also what we call debt bondage. So oftentimes people who are foreign-born that come to the United States to work legally or illegally can both be trafficked. And so they owe a debt to that trafficker. If they escape, um, if something happens to that person, that debt oftentimes goes to another member of that family that they are still forced to repay even if that person is no longer in captivity. 
And how common is that in Connecticut? Labor trafficking is incredibly common. As I mentioned, our nail salons, our massage parlors, um, the construction industry, as well as landscaping, um, nurseries, many agricultural farms. And once again, keeping in mind that we have people that come to Connecticut on completely valid work visas, and they are still being trafficked. And how aggressive are the police? How aggressive is the state legislature as far as laws and enforcement of those laws when it comes to human trafficking? Sure. Uh, so Connecticut has what we call the Trafficking in Persons Council, and they are tasked with looking at legislature regarding human trafficking. Uh, so trafficking is a Class A felony in Connecticut, punishable by up to 25 years in prison. Uh, typically, that law is not utilized because the federal government will come in and take the case over because they can get a mandatory minimum of at least 10 years for that trafficker. You've told some incredible stories this morning. Do you find, do you run across people, well, I have to say I'm one of them, who've never seen anything like this, and they don't realize it's going on, and they hear you tell the stories, and they say, right here in my own backyard, this stuff's going on? Yes, I encounter that all the time, um, and I can tell you after having this conversation, hopefully to everyone that's listening, after this is over, you're going to go out in the world and you're going to see it now. All of those things are going to start to click, um, and you're going to say, I thought this was something, but I wasn't sure, and now I know. Uh, so once again, please don't be afraid to make that call. And Lieutenant Denise Salmon, just t talk a little bit about the other programs that are going on with the Salvation Army here in Willimantic. What are some of the things that are the most popular programs that you provide for our community? Oh, well, other now than the, the Bloom program, which we're super excited about, I mean, we have our regular programs, which is our food pantry um, every week, and we have rental assistance for individuals, but we're also really focused on children. So Wednesday nights, we have a character building program for kids. Um, we're really starting to focus a lot on the activities that we have for our children, because we feel like there's not a lot of things going on um, in the evening for kids. So on a weekly basis we meet with kids and we do different um, character building programs with them which is a lot of fun and we also have other character building programs for women and and um, teens um, but those are most of the things that we're focusing on this year actually it's going to be our 135th anniversary this year so the Salvation Army has been in Willimantic for 135 years so we want to celebrate that Denise, how do you build character? Well, you know, for children, we try to expose them to different things. Um, just like I just had a group of girls and we started to learn how to bake. You know, you would be surprised how many girls have never baked anything, right? Or um, teaching kids about camping. You teach the kid, the boys to bake too, by the way? No, well, yes. My husband is going to teach them how to cook. Yes, in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but they're just so excited about getting together with other kids their age and just doing something fun, you know. And, and, and it's, it's great. And, yeah, it builds character for children, definitely. And so much of what you talked about involves the younger generation. What do you provide for adults? So we do have programs for women on Tuesday evenings, and we have, um, for adults, yeah, I mean, we have, we provide a lot of physical need for individuals, like the rental assistance and the, and the food pantry. Um, but 
definitely we have a group for for women that meets every Tuesday night as well. And of course, we know that when there's emergencies in town, like fires or things like that, the Salvation Army is there to help out as well. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And we hope that the community will see us more out there in the streets this year, especially with our Bloom Initiative. Um, we want to get out there. We want to get to know people. We want to be able to serve individuals the best way that we can. Yeah, the Bloom Initiative is uh, part of the Salvation Army's anti-human trafficking campaign as well. And if you'd like information or make a referral, call 860-218-1573. And the National Human Trafficking Hotline is 1-888-373-7888. Important topic with our ladies this morning, human trafficking. Thanks very much for coming in, Lieutenant Denise Salmon from the Wilmatic Salvation Army and Crystal Ambrositis, Anti-Human Trafficking Coordinator. Good to see you. Thank you. 14 WILI Wilmatic and 95.3 FM.